You're listening to the Gordon Damer Show podcast on 98.7 ESPN. Monday, November 30th, last day of November. How can it be the last day of November when November started four days ago? Right? Didn't November just start? It's already the end of November. It just flies right by. Life just passing us by. Hey there, you. How's everybody doing? Of course, this is the Gordon Damer Show. It is 98.7 FM, ESPN New York. I know I say it all the time, but today it's especially true. Way too much to ever possibly squeeze in to just 60 minutes, but let's give it a try, right? We'll dive right in. Hopefully everyone, hopefully you specifically, had an enjoyable and safe Thanksgiving, had more than enough to go around to stuff yourself with. I just finished the leftover stuffing last night. Finally polished it off. Quite a performance by me. Joey Chestnut would have been proud, but um, we'll get into that in a little bit. Of course, the number you know, 1-800-919-ESPN. I am on Twitter, on Instagram, at Gordon Damer. I will tell you today, today is day 29 of the battle for television supremacy that is the Regal Tumble. And today there are major, major developments to discuss. And I will just simply tease it out right here by giving you this sentence. Ready? Pod 2 is coming. What? Pod 2 is coming. What does that mean? Well, I'm not going to give it away to you right now because I've got to listen to the rest of the show. But I will just tell you Pod 2 is coming. I thought of this over the weekend on my back patio uh, while drinking. So it's, you know it's a good idea. Those are the best ideas that you come up with when those things happen. All right, but let's get to the football because, um, boy, oh, boy, do we have a lot to discuss there. The football headline, if I had a football headline from yesterday, watching the Jets, watching the Giants, really against my will, but if I had a football headline from watching both of those teams, Sunday was a case of watching one team that really could not lose and watching another team that cannot win ever. Gee, I wonder which team is which. So let's start with the Bengals and the Giants. Giants go into Cincinnati, beat the Bengals 19-17. to They got the job done. They got the win. Mission accomplished. The Giants have now won three in a row for the first time since November of 2016. November of 2016. That is how long it was since the Giants have won Three games in a row, and now at four and seven, at least for the time being, depends on what happens to that Monday night football, the Giants find themselves tied, but technically, you know, because of the tiebreaker, sitting in first place in the NFC East. First time they have been in the NFC East driver's seat. Uh, I don't have the stat in front of me, but it's, it's been a while. Let's put it that way. Now, in the process, they lost Daniel Jones with a hamstring injury, so we'll get into that in a, in a little bit. But at the end of the day, the Giants made enough plays yesterday. It's funny. They made the game interesting, if not exciting, right? It was an awful game to watch. It was certainly not pretty by any stretch of the imagination. And it felt like the Giants were dominating in the first half, but yet you go into the half tied at 10. So, but you got the job done. No complaints there. And, you know, this was kind of a conversation when the last time we had the show back on Wednesday of last week. Giant fans should absolutely want their team to win. Giant fans should want their team to win the division this year. I think it's different for the four teams in their division, right? Like there are some teams, 
I don't think that it's always the case that you always should be rooting for your team to win. Like for Washington. Washington, I think they would be, if I were a fan of Washington, I would rather have the higher draft pick than some empty division title this year. Right? If you're Washington, you don't have a quarterback. Now, could you win the division, draft it 21, 22, or wherever you would draft, and still get a quarterback? Yeah, maybe. But it's kind of hard to envision your team having any long-term success, and that's what it's about, right? If you are somebody who wants to watch your team win the division this year, you're thinking, well, this is the first step. It's not that you're going to be a, a title contender this year, but this is the first step towards building something for the future. And it's kind of hard if you're a fan of the Washington football team to think that you're building something the future when you have Alex Smith as your quarterback. So if I were a fan of Washington, I would not want my team to win the division. Same thing with Dallas. Dallas, if I were a fan of the Dallas Cowboys, could put myself in that position for a second, this was always going to be a lost season once you lost your quarterback. Your quarterback is coming back and making a run for the division is not going to cover up for the fact that this was a lost season as long as you, as soon as your quarterback went down. Now, luckily for them, it doesn't seem like the team the team is pretty much in agreement with that. <laughs> they have no interest in making a run for the division title this year. But the Giants, I think much like Philadelphia, they are, you know, Philadelphia certainly is a win-now team. I don't think that the Giants are a win-now team. They're still building for the future. But I think for Philly, they should be trying to win whether or not they have that ability, we shall see. It doesn't certainly seem like it. Although I will say, when we were going into the weekend, I said, as soon, you know, when we were sitting here on Wednesday, people were starting to say, you know what? You know who could win this whole division here? We started going into the year thinking it was the Dallas Cowboys. And now, after 11 weeks, as we head into week 12, or we head into Thanksgiving, it certainly looks like we've come back around to the Dallas Cowboys. And what did I say on Wednesday? Dallas is the team that as soon as you start having some faith, some hope, some belief in them, that they're going to do something, that's when they let you down. And the Eagles are the direct opposite of that. As soon as you write them off and leave them for dead, that's when they spring up out of the coffin. Now, I don't know whether or not they're going to spring up out of the coffin tonight. If they were going to ever spring up out of the coffin, tonight would be a good night. But already at least the first half of that equation, the Dallas part of it, we got that on Thanksgiving. And, of course, uh, Lewis and Whippany, who loves to call us and tell us about how this thing or that thing is going to happen, telling us on Wednesday how the Cowboys were going to go 9-7. and seven. I think he got into the uh, Thanksgiving Day wine a little early. But that leave that uh, where it may be. The Giants, they win the game. They're 4-7, and seven, right? So I would say, yes, you, if you're the Giants, you should want to win the division, make the playoffs. You've got to win. It wasn't pretty, but you got the job done. All I will say, and if you want to get in on this, 1-800-919-ESPN is the phone number. Just don't tell me that they're good, okay? Just don't tell me that the Giants are a good team. They might make the playoffs. They should want to make the playoffs. If you make the playoffs, hey, throw a party, whatever you want to do. Just don't tell me that they're good. You're 4-7 and seven in the worst division anyone's ever seen. You have now three wins in this terrible division, one outside of the division against a team that was playing a quarterback. Let's be honest. He's a practice squad quarterback. And you won the game. You, that's what you're supposed to do. You won the game. There's no you know, points for beauty or anything like that. Just don't tell me they're a good team. Now, maybe this is just the first step in building something for the future and coming from where the Giants have been the last three years. That's all well and good. That's fine. Maybe you're putting the building blocks in place. 
I like what Joe Judge has done. Just don't tell me they're good, all right? Just don't. I mean, the reason they're in the playoff mix is because of a fluke. All the teams in the division all stink. And look, I'm not saying I'm reacting this way because of the job. I'm reacting the same way you would be reacting if it were any other team that was doing this, right? If, if, if Washington had the tiebreaker against the Giants, they had the same records, but they had the tiebreaker as opposed to the Giants, you would be saying the same thing. Well, it doesn't matter. The whole division stinks. We all stink. If another team was leading it, you would say the same thing. If the Eagles win tonight, now, I don't think that they will, but if they did, I will not come in here tomorrow and tell you, you know what, boy, oh boy, the Eagles, you know, they could make some noise. They could do some real, da- you know, now that they got that win, I think they, they no, I'm not going to tell you that. They will still stink. Now, they might stink a little bit less than I think at this, po- at this moment in time right now, but they'll still stink. Same thing with Washington. If somehow, right, the Giants uh, lose more games and Washington just ends up with one more win than the Giants, at no point, at any point this year, will I ever come on this show and say, you know what, Washington, boy, you know who's pretty good? Football team. Football team is putting some things together. I will not do that. So I'm just simply reacting the same way you would react if any other team in the terrible NFC East was leading the division. So I think that the Giants are the most functional of the teams in the division, but I'm not throwing a parade for that. If you want to throw a parade for that, if you want to get all excited because they're slightly better in terms of wins and losses than they were the last few years, go ahead. It's been a rough few few years for the Giant fans. I get it. It's been a rough time. You're not used to having to deal with this type of stuff year in and year out. So the fact that you're slightly better than you have been, good for you, right? I do think that they are, they're showing some improvements in individual uh, parts of the team. The defense is better. The offensive line has certainly been better. But I think a lot of that ties into the fact of just how bad it was in the past. It's not that it's good. So just don't tell me that they're good. That's all. That's all I'm saying. Now, as for the quarterback, Daniel Jones is set for the MRI today. It, it seems like it's kind of all over the map of whether or not this is going to be a long-term thing, whether or not it's, it's going to be a short-term thing. The initial reports were that Joe Judge seemed optimistic about him even playing even next week. Uh, our Jordan Ranam said that uh, the initial, this is what he tweeted out, the initial belief on the hamstring injury to Daniel Jones is that it's pretty bad, could force him to miss some time. I don't think that it matters uh, all that much. Now, I will say, where, what happened to the crowd that was saying that maybe the Giants would be better served going with Colt McCoy for a week or two? Let Daniel Jones stand on the sidelines and watch. Yeah, I, don't, I think that that crowd is pretty quickly dispersed. So I don't think that it matters all that much uh, because somebody has to win the division, right? I don't think the Giants are going to beat Seattle next week anyway. Now, if it's a, a season-ending type thing for Daniel Jones, obviously that's a big deal. But if it's just a week or two, I don't know that it, that it impacts it that much. I don't think that they were going to beat Seattle or Arizona anyway. You know, the, the winnable games for the Giants are the Browns in three weeks and then the Cowboys in week 17. So as long as you can get Daniel Jones back by then, I think that that's what it really matters. And if the Giants want to, you know, if you're saying, Gordon, you're just being pessimistic, the Giants are trending in the right direction. Well, look, you beat a bunch of teams here. You beat three teams in a row with losing records. Now, I think you play three games in a row against teams with winning records. So by go right ahead. 
go out there and, and show that this actually does mean something by winning a few games. And you know what? If you win one of the next two or three games, chances are you're going to take a commanding lead in the juggernaut that is the NFC East. 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. So we'll get your phone calls coming up. Unfortunately, we will have to talk about the Jets as well because they played again yesterday. And going in, big week. Going in, I would think you'd have to say the best chance for the Jets to win a game this year came yesterday. Their quarterback was back. He was back from injury. He was riding to the rescue. And the weapons. Oh, my God. The amount of time that we have used the term weapons when it comes to the New York Jets. Sam doesn't have enough weapons. His weapons are injured. He needs to get his weapons back. Well, yesterday, we got a chance to see Sam and the weapons, almost like a 1960s uh, doo-wop group. Sam and the weapons. Well, Sam and the weapons were not even a one-hit wonder yesterday, so we'll get into that coming up. And day 29 of the Regal Tumble. Major, major development. And I will tease it this way as well. You know, a lot of people are upset about shows that have already been booted. Oh, what if one of those were to return? Oh my gosh, I can't, I, 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 I've already said too much. I've already said too much. Seven one, we uh, talked about the Giants, how they could really not lose that game yesterday. There's no, there, I mean, you know, Brandon Allen, who was uh, god-awful, who's basically, you know, a practice squad quarterback, uh, and the Bengals are basically a terrible team, right? I mean, they, they weren't really all that good even before Joe Burrow got hurt, and they're certainly not any better now. And at least part of that is, is that, you know, they're not lucky enough to play in the NFC East. So uh, if they had played, if the Bengals had Joe Burrow, even as bad as they were with Joe Burrow, if they played in the NFC East, who knows? They'd be right in the thick of things. But Brandon Allen was in there yesterday. He was god awful. And since the Burrow injury last week, the Bengals offense has run 54 plays and have uh, netted 128 yards. That's 2.4 yards per snap. So uh, it's not exactly the greatest show on turf, let's put it that way. But let's go from a team that made things interesting, if not exciting, to a team that cannot do either. And that would be the New York Jets. The Jets lost the Dolphins yesterday, 20-3. And you'd have to say, looking at where, where the Jets have been, what's left on the schedule, yesterday was their best remaining chance at winning even a single game this year. If you can't beat a team playing their backup quarterback, missing a couple of starting running backs, missing one of their wide receivers, that's not all that talented to begin with. When your offense is finally whole for the first time, your quarterback returning from injury at home, if you can't win that game, or at least be even in that game, well, then chances are you're not going to win a game. And let's start with the quarterback. Because I realize that people who cover the Jets for a living have to write something. I get it. And there are not a lot of options right now. But this idea that has been floated out there here for a while, even before Sam Darnold came back, you know, Sam Darnold has half a season to show what he, you know, show something. He has six games left to prove something. This, high, this, this entire idea 
that this is an audition for Sam Darnold to save his career with the Jets is absolutely preposterous. The Jets are going to get the number one pick in the draft. They are going to get Trevor Lawrence. It's the best thing for the Jets. It's the best thing for Sam. If his career is salvageable in any way at all, it's clear it's not going to be here. Yesterday, with Sam Darnold back, their starting quarterback in there, all their weapons available to them. The offense yesterday punted six times. They missed a field goal. They had a couple of interceptions thrown by the quarterback. One turnover was on, on downs on a, a fourth and one. They had two drives start in Dolphins territory because of those turnovers, and they got zero points out of it. And yesterday was the first time that Crowder, Perriman, and Mims were all in there. And there is no more... You'd have to say there is no more pathetic offense in the entire NFL than the New York Jets. Not great, Bob. Yeah, no, not great, Bob. At least other teams that have terrible offenses, you can say, okay, well, you know what? This is it. This is why. Right? Like the Broncos yesterday, they, they were playing a guy who's never played quarterback before. Barely played quarterback in college. So, right, the fact that they were able to put up three points... That tells you something, right? They put up the exact same amount of points against a really good team in the Saints that the Jets were able to put up against the Dolphins. Or the Bears last night on Sunday Night Football. Yeah, well, the reason why is Mitch Trubisky stinks. They don't have a quarterback. Or the Bengals, Joe Burrow's hurt, right? Sam Darnold now on the season has three touchdown passes and eight interceptions. I mean, come on. What more needs to be said? Even earlier this year, there were people in the Sam Darnold cult. The people in that cult have gone underground. We have not been able to find them in a very, very long time. And I don't think that we'll ever find them ever again. We will find them if it turns out after this season, Sam Darnold gets traded someplace and uh, you know, eventually gets into the whatever situation that is and is able to you know, uh, find his career or establish his career or or stop uh, regressing from where he was even when he came into the league. I mean, he's one of the worst. You watch the games every single week, and I say it every single week, the 2020 Jets, you have to see it to believe it. Yesterday was another example of that. The Jets looked more functional as an offense with Joe Flacco as their quarterback. So I'm sorry for all the Sam Darnold excuse makers, cult members, whatever you want to say. It's on him. We have now seen more than enough to make the judgment. And you can say, well, it's 60-40 this thing. It's the coach. It's this. It's the weapons. It's the offensive line. Enough with the excuses. They have a quarterback problem. And Sam Darnold is the quarterback. It's going to be fixed after this year. It's as clear as the nose in your face. The Jets are not going to win a single game this year. They will get the number one pick in the draft, and they will select Trevor Lawrence. It's that simple. Now, after the game, the conversation surrounding the Jets was, did Adam Gase take back the play-calling duties? I would just simply float out the idea, are we sure that anybody took the play-calling? Like sometimes, right, you're going on vacation, 
And, uh, you know, did, did you lock the front door, sweetie? Oh, no, I thought it was your job. Oh, I didn't lock the front door. You didn't lock the front door. Nobody locked the front door. Are we sure that the play calling duties with the Jets is not the, hey, Dowell Loggins, did you, are you calling the plays? No, I thought you were calling the plays, Adam. Are we sure that anybody's calling the plays? Maybe the Magic 8-Ball. Magic 8-Ball, I got you sitting right here. Magic 8-Ball, did you call the plays for the Jets yesterday? My reply is no. Okay, so we know that it was not the Magic 8-Ball. Do we have Adam Gase from uh, after the game kind of breaking down whether or not he was calling the plays? Do we have that cut, Ray? Yeah, you have to hear. I mean, forget about running the offense or developing the quarterback. Adam Gase is not even good at telling you a lie. Because Here we go. Here we go. Here's Adam Gase on whether or not he was the one calling the offensive plays yesterday. Adam, why did you take over the play calling? I didn't take over. We did this. We've done the same thing the last four games. We were watching Dowell for the whole game. He wasn't doing anything. I mean, he was just (laughs) standing there. He tells me it's not hard. This is not hard. We go through it the drive before. Hey, these are the three plays. I do the third downs. So what happens after the three plays when you have a series? Because we were watching one where Dow was talking to Frank Pollock. He wasn't calling the plays. You were. What part of the game was it? I want to say that was the third. Yeah, when we got down, then I I was trying to do some of the two-minute stuff. So he was calling the plays. I mean, it, it, I mean, what a joke. I mean, I, I get it. You have to keep him until you have the number one pick locked up. Uh, and that's coming very, very quickly. But at the end of the day, I mean, I mean, how, how anybody in their right mind could sit there. And, and I have to do it for, for, you know, to kind of in case something magical happens, like the Jets complete a first down or they score a touchdown or something. I have to watch these games. Anybody who has the ability to go do something else and they don't take it, they, I mean, you deserve a medal for sitting through these games. If you're somebody who is a Jet fan who is sitting through this, I have to wonder if whether or not you're just a sadist because it, it's, it's, it's brutal. They are brutal to watch. And even in a game where in the second half it was like the Dolphins had no interest in really, you know, putting the foot on the, you know, on the throat or anything like that. They're fumbling the ball here, fumbling the ball there. In the second half, it was never even a close game. But the path forward that for the Jets is very, very simple. They will get the number one pick. They will fire the head coach. Don't anybody tell me anywhere that there's the possibility of the Jets keeping this coach after this year. It's over. It should be over already. But for the the, uh, very obvious reasons, they're not going to do that just yet. You want to make sure. And this is a critical time for the Jets. If they were ever to win a game, they could be screwing up their own organization for the next 10 years by winning a game. So I get it. Fans are right to not want uh, – there's nothing to be gained by winning a game the rest of the way this year. Th- that's the last thing the Jets need to do. Lose all the games, get the number one pick, take Trevor Lawrence, and then the real work begins. And there's a lot of other work. I'm not telling you – no one should tell you draft Trevor Lawrence and that will fix all the ills of, of the New York Jets. I don't think anybody is telling you that. Then the real work begins of trying to put together, uh, you know, an offensive line or an actual team, finding a coach who actually knows what he's doing. I will say this, though. It can't be any worse than it is right now. It might not ever be. They could pick someone else and, and they won't be great, but they can't, it cannot possibly be any worse than it is right now. They are non-competitive in every single game. Nothing they do looks like a functional NFL team. And the head coach is one of the main reasons why. So, yes, after this season, they'll have the number one pick. They'll go 0-16. They will fire the coach. 
and they will draft Trevor Lawrence. It's as simple as that. 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. All right, coming up, we will go uh, around the NFL because God knows if all you had in the NFL were watching the Jets and really the Giants every single week, it would not, it would not be the uh, global phenomenon that the NFL is. So we'll go around to all the other games and the Regal Tumble. Day number 29. Major developments we'll explain coming up. It is the Gordon Damer Show. It is 98.7 FM ESPN New York. That's deflected and is it intercepted on the deflection? It is. A pick by the Giants on the deflection. And it's Nico Lelos with the pick off the Darnay Holmes deflection. Nico Lelos just elevated today for this game. And the Dartmouth product, all Ivy League with the biggest defensive play of the day. Nico Lelos. Right. Oh, we go way back, me and Nico Lelos. I've never heard that guy's name mentioned ever before in my life before yesterday. But, hey, big play for him. Big moment for him. And an important win for the Giants. So uh, our moment of inspiration for this Monday morning. It is the uh, Gordon Damer Show. It is 98.7 FM. ESPN New York, 1-800-919-ESPN is the uh, phone number, 1-800-919-3776. And I should also tell you, video chatting with family this season? Well, we've got the perfect guest. Everyone's virtual gathering. New York Jets quarterback Sam Darnold. It's 98.7 ESPN Sam and the fam sweepstakes. Just... Have you ever listened today? The K show will have Sam on five thirty, right? That's when they usually have him five thirty, I believe. Uh, and uh, if you ever wanted the awkwardness of that interaction in your own home, here's your chance. Uh, here's how you win. Send us a brief message telling us why Sam should hang with your family for a 30 minute virtual huddle. Send that message to us at 98.7 ESPN at gmail.com. That's nine, eight, seven ESPN at gmail.com. Winners, We'll each get a one-of-a-kind experience with friends and family to have a virtual hangout with Sam Darnold. It's all from your home for the hookup and your home for the hangout, 98.7 FM, ESPN New York. Who do we have on the uh, phone? Is it Doug? What is it? Doug and uh, where is he? Where, uh, you know, I can't find all the information. Where is he from, right? The Bronx. Uh, we lost him. All right. No, D- Doug wanted to get in something about Sam Darnold, but I don't know what it was. Uh, all right. Let's get to uh, the Regal Tumble, because I've buried the lead here. We've talked about the Jets. We've talked about the Giants. It's day 29. Now, when we left on Wednesday, we have to settle a little discrepancy, because when we left on Wednesday, it seemed like we might have had our first double elimination. Chappelle Show and Honeymooners both ended up at 18% of the vote. So how do you decide that? Well, Twitter does a weird thing on mobile devices where it shows you only the whole numbers. Well, if you look on a laptop, or I guess on a PC, I don't have a PC, but on my laptop, it breaks it down into the percentages. So on Wednesday, Chappelle Show did survive over the Honeymooners by the narrowest of margins, 18.4 to 18.1. But that's not really the lead today. And even the show today is not even the lead. The real lead is that this is the halfway point of the Regal Tumble. And it's been unfair, right? One of the criticisms people have had is, well, you've, you've thrown in a bunch of shows early on to the fight, and they have to win the whole time. It's unfair for shows. Well, the three shows that survive today, they will automatically make it to the semifinals because Wednesday we will start pod two. Pod two Woo! will be the second half 
of all the shows that have been lined up from your nominations. So we'll have four new shows that enter the arena on Wednesday. But that's not all. Plot twist. Now, I am off tomorrow. There will be no show tomorrow. But there will be a Regal Tumble poll question. Four shows that have already been eliminated. The winner of the poll question tomorrow will be back in for pod two. So, but they'll have to run the whole gamut of the entire thing. But they will at least one show of all the very popular shows that have been eliminated. One of those shows will make it back in and they will be one of the four nominees starting on Wednesday. Now, I don't know. Ray, out of sight, out of mind, he might not see the poll question. He might not retweet it. You better be following me to be able to vote. So if you don't, you know, if you don't follow me, you follow the 98.7 account. I don't know that it'll be retweeted. Maybe it will. Maybe it won't. But you have to follow me to get that vote in. Now, what are the four shows that'll be not? I don't know. We'll find that out tomorrow. That's going to be tomorrow's reveal, even though no show tomorrow. But let's get to today. Day number 29. Now, the three shows, as I said, we all we all know. And uh, whether or not these three shows very well could advance to the uh, semifinals tomorrow. So we'll have pod one. When we get down to it, there will be six semifinalists. And then they'll battle it out for the uh, right to uh, go all the way and be the Regal Tumble first ever winner. All right. So the three shows we know for sure are, of course, Sopranos, right? They certainly seem like they're safe. A juggernaut since they entered the field. The second show, of course, is Seinfeld, another, I mean, you have to say co-juggernauts. Can you have co-juggernauts? Well, if you can, we do. And then finally, we have Chappelle Show, which has, uh, you know, i got to be honest, it, it seems like the support has been uh, waning. They keep dropping down, and they have survived. But it's about surviving and advancing, and at least so far, Chappelle Show has been able to do that. So today's entry, day number 29, let's find out who it is. You are not the car. Oh my God. Yes. Now you'll say, Gordon, what in the name of God is Maury doing in a conversation about the greatest television shows of all time? You could say that. But, you know, there's a thing about like stickiness. Like when you find something, it might not be your first choice, but when you get caught up in it when you when you catch it out of the glimpse of your eye all of a sudden you find yourself watching and sitting there and and being you know taken over by whatever that is maury is a very sticky show it's not a show that people i don't think dvr it's not a show that people are you know waiting but if you if you happen to catch it when you're flipping around the channels you will hold and even Ray Santiago, producer extraordinaire, you were getting ready for the show today. I was texting you, couldn't find you. It's because you went down the Maury worm, wormhole, right? Couldn't find my way out. Right. It's very, very difficult there to find your so way out. so many you are not the father of videos on YouTube. <laughs> and, it's, and look, every time you, you – it's one of my uh, – I don't watch it very often, but whenever I happen to be on like the treadmill in the morning or something, I'm flipping around and I come across Maury – it, it, it definitely holds my attention for a while. It's a, and they only do, those are the only shows that I really, they, they do the makeover shows. They do the, uh, the uh, lie detector. T- they basically have one of four shows that they do. And uh, I, the, to me, the, uh, the, the, the paternity test ones, I think that's what they're most famous for, right? You'd have to say that's what they're most famous for. 
So, uh, and I would, I would love to be able to uh, celebrate anything in life, uh, quite like people who uh, find out that they are either, that they're, it is the father, it's not the father. So there you go. Your four shows for today, day 29, final day of pod one of the Regal Tumble. They are, of course, The Sopranos, Chappelle Show, Seinfeld, and Maury. Vote as you will. Up on Twitter, at Gordon Damer. All right, one eight hundred nine one nine ESPN one eight hundred nine one nine three seven seven six. Before we get too bogged down in the regal tumble, which is sensational, let's uh, whip around a little bit about the uh, NFL. Right, week twelve, and you'd have to say yesterday. It, maybe it's always this case it, by this time of the season. It felt like yesterday there were so many, there were multiple quarterback situations that it was just like, why, why is this even taking? It, it, it never seems so desperate. In multiple cases yesterday, uh, and maybe that's always the case in Week 12. Maybe that's just part of COVID as well because of the Broncos situation. But uh, what a mess yesterday was uh, around the NFL. And really, you'd have to say it continues you know, Tuesday with the Ravens without uh, Lamar Jackson going to be going up against the Steelers. But we'll start with, and really the NFL whip around segment on this show is games that Gordon bet on. That's really what we focus on mostly and I did not bet that much this weekend, luckily, because I would have gotten a bunch of stuff wrong. But you know what I've noticed? And it maybe has taken me to week 12 to notice this. That I never bet a game. And the game starts, and it goes one way, and I say, well, that one's in the bag. Like, that never happens. Like, there's never a time where I bet a game like the Falcons yesterday. There's never a scenario where I bet the Falcons, they get out to an early lead, and they just blow away the other team. That never, I, oh, I got that one in the bag. Never, ever happens. Yesterday, my big bet of the day, Bills-Chargers. I bet on the Bills. And the Bills were controlling the game, controlling the game throughout. And then, you know, just when I'm starting to think, all right, I feel pretty comfortable about this bet. The Chargers have to make it close with this Hail Mary at the end of the game, and they're sitting there right at the goal line. If the Chargers had not already made up their minds to fire Anthony Lynn after this season— the end of the game yesterday should have been – that's really all the evidence they need. Like when they have the meeting or they make the phone call, they could just run down this and just say, okay, this is the only reason or certainly the last draw. They're facing a fourth and 27. There's a minute left in the game. They're down by 10. So they're not – almost certainly they're not going to win the game. But Justin Herbert completes a pass on a fourth and 27 down to the two-yard line. 55 yards, boom. And you're thinking to yourself, well, they got more than enough time to, to at least score a touchdown and whether or not they can get the onside kick or anything like that. But all right, do something here, and they're probably going to screw me on my bet. First and goal from the Buffalo 2. They, run, they don't have any timeouts left. They run the ball. Why would you run the ball in that circumstance, right? I mean, like, you have four cracks from the two-yard line. You have Justin Herbert, who's this amazing rookie quarterback, setting records every single week. You have no ability to stop the clock. Why? The clock's not an issue if you throw the ball, but yet you run the ball there and all of a sudden make it an issue. So they run the ball there with 24 seconds left. The time that they snap the ball, the next snap is at eight seconds left. So that's already a disaster. So now, right, you're going to have to throw the ball. Everybody knows that now. Justin Herbert, an incomplete pass to Mike Williams, but there was a penalty on the play, roughing the passer. So they move it half the day, right? They move it to the one yard line. 
Then, at this point, I'm pretty sure it was at this point, Anthony Lynn has the field goal unit out on the field. Then they get pulled off. It's a complete disaster. It's like it's the first time that they played football before. So now you're first in goal from the one. They run two more plays. They don't get it. Uh, and the game ends at 10. So thank God at least I won that bet because otherwise I would have been despondent if they had not been able to win that one. Uh, Falcons beat the Raiders yesterday. I mean, forget about COVID. Do we, are we sure that the Raiders don't have malaria? The Raiders yesterday, look at this stat line, had 11 penalties for 141 yards, five turnovers. They were sacked five times, and they allowed 43 points. Since 1940, no NFL team had hit that many, you know, had all those things in one game. And keep in mind, this was to a three-win team. The Raiders were less competitive yesterday than Nate Robinson was on Saturday night. That's how bad they were. They were terrible. Oh, my God. And I did bet that game, and I did bet the Raiders. That one, poof, I may as well take in the money I bet on that and just set it on fire and just taken the ashes and thrown it in the toilet. It would have been closer to bringing me a return than that. Uh, the Titans beat the Colts yesterday, 45-26. Two teams that I never have a very good feel for, so I stayed away. Thank God I did. Derrick Henry had 140 yards rushing in the first half. Over the last two years, the Colts have given up 100 yards to only one running back. Uh, it's Derrick Henry, and he's done it now three times. And he had, as I said, 140 yards in the first half. The Chiefs held off the Bucks yesterday, 27-24. You would think by that final score that it was a close game, uh, it really wasn't. I mean, I guess it was close in, in terms of the final numbers, but uh, the Chiefs just kind of dominated that game. The, the Bucks made some plays late to kind of make it closer than it really was. But uh, Patrick Mahomes, I've been saying this now for a month because the conversation that goes on in the NFL, Patrick Mahomes is going to be the MVP. Uh, it's not really all that close. And I feel like the Chiefs, if they wanted to, could throw to Travis Kelsey for seven yards every single play, if they wanted to. Now, they don't want to. They want to get other people involved. And, you know, Tyreek Hill was explosive yesterday, and you can certainly score a lot quicker with him than uh, dinking and dunking to Travis Kelsey for seven. But if they wanted to, if they wanted to go with a game plan for whatever reason, just for, you know, poops and giggles, they could throw to Travis Kelsey for seven yards every single play. Speaking of poops and giggles, for some reason they played the Saints and Broncos game yesterday. Just a farce. Just an absolute farce. But I have to be honest. I had the three games on at once, the 4 o'clock game. Somehow my eyes, much like with Maury, they just kept drifting to that game because I couldn't believe what I was seeing. Uh, Taysom Hill, I don't know. I would like somebody to find out why he just despises Alvin Kamara because he's taken a guy who was uh, just this unbelievable offensive weapon all season and has just rendered him completely useless now for my fantasy team. So he said, that sounds like somebody who's upset about his fantasy team. Yes, of course. Do you think I care about Alvin Kamara as a person? No, of course not. It's just about my fantasy team. Uh, Kendall Hinton, that was the guy who was starting at quarterback for the Broncos yesterday. One of nine for 13 yards. And he, he was the quarterback. It wasn't like he just did it for a drive or two. No, that was the entire game. And he, I think he's the first quarterback. I can't remember the stat, but in a very, very long time, he's the first quarterback to complete more, te- more completions to the other team than his own team. I mean, just an absolute joke that that game took place. They just should have forfeited the game. Like, if it's that bad that the Broncos quarterbacks all, you know, uh, put themselves at risk, they should have just canceled the game and punished them that way rather than making us sit there and watch it. Although, I have to be honest, I did watch a a good portion of it just because out of morbid curiosity. Niners beat the Rams 23-20. My takeaway from that, Jared Goff is just awful. 
I mean, he was just awful. You had two interceptions, a fumble. You know, the Rams could be legit contenders because their defense is just that good, but they just have no quarterback play. I mean, they're just, they're just wasting time. And, and, like, people will always talk about how, you know, people are too quick to get off quarterbacks, uh, that, that you have to show patience, everything else. There's something as too much patience. And the Rams have uh, – they don't really have much choice because of the contract, but they, they are wasting – uh, prime years of that franchise's ability to win a Super Bowl by sticking with Jared Goff. Uh, Browns barely beat the Jaguars yesterday, 27 to 25. Man, you got to give the Jaguars players credit because they try, certainly more than the Jets. I mean, they, they've been in games. They were in the game against the Steelers. They were in the game yesterday. Uh, and then the Jaguars fired Dave Caldwell, their GM, after the game, which seems kind of random, right? Like, if we lose 10 games in a row, that's it. You're out. Uh, but they did that. So uh, the Browns, their first non-losing season since 2007. Patriots beat the Cardinals 20-17. to Cardinals were up 10-0, went for it right before the half, didn't get it. Uh, I did not watch much of that game. Vikings beat the Panthers 28-27. I got to be honest, I really don't know how. And then the Packers last night beat the Bears 41-25. I do know how because the, the Bears have no quarterback. All right, 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. Coming up, your phone calls. Everything about uh, the Regal tumble, the football, the Giants being uh, real title contenders now here for the NFC East, the Jets being uh, can't get out of their own way. It's all on the uh, table for you. 1-800-919-ESPN is the phone number. It is the Gordon Damer Show. It is 98.7 FM, ESPN New York. Big Monday show with the football. The Giants are sitting in first place, at least for the time being, right? We'll see what happens tonight with the uh, the Eagles, and uh, you know, I'm getting a little, I don't know, should I put a little money on the Eagles tonight? Uh, I, I, can't, I can't do it in good conscience, but you know, sometimes you get up to close to game time, you're like, eh, I want a little something to you know, like the Seahawks and Eagles are not that fascinating. All of a sudden, you put a couple of bucks on it, you know, you're rooting for life and death, but the Giants are sitting in first place. And I'm sure over the course of the day, you'll hear fans are very excited. They're moving in the right direction. All I will say is just simply, if you're a fan of the Giants, be excited, right? Make the playoffs. Just don't tell me that they're good. The reason that they're in the playoff mix is because it's a fluke. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a glitch in the matrix. The NFC East this year has four teams that are all terrible. Now, the Giants very well might be. The best of those four teams will find out what the MRI results, I would guess, some point today, get at least a read on how long it might be that Daniel Jones is out. You'd expect that he's going to probably miss at least one game, although we don't know that. Maybe it'll turn out that he uh, will be able to tough it out and play next week. So uh, we'll see. And, And the Giants might very well be the best of the four teams in the NFC East. And it feels like a lot of times that the, 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 the worst team in the NFC East is a lot of times the, the team you saw last, right? Like on Thanksgiving, you certainly felt like, you know who the worst team in the NFC East is? The Cowboys. The Cowboys are the worst team in the NFC East. But now the Eagles play tonight, so there's a very good possibility that by the end of the night tonight, you'll say, you know what, who's the worst team of the week or the worst team in the NFC East? It's the Eagles. So we'll see. But I would just simply say for Giant fans, be excited, feel good, there's a good chance you're going to end up going to the playoffs this year, which is a huge improvement over where you have been. I, I would just simply say that the danger there is, is not about the draft position. It's the fact that Dave Gettleman's probably going to be back. But feel good. I would just simply say, just don't tell me that they're good. Because if they were playing in any other division outside of the NFC East, 
it would be the same old thing. And really, it's not about the Giants necessarily improving as much as the rest of the division just stinks. Uh, But if you enjoy that, live it up. If you want to throw a parade for that, throw the parade. Just don't invite me to the parade. Do you get invites uh, invites to parades? I don't think so. Uh, As for the Jets, nobody anywhere will try to tell you that they're good. They will not win a game. Uh, We have run it through the Gordon Damer Show algorithm. The Jets will finish 0-16. It is guaranteed. They will have the number one pick. It is guaranteed. They will fire their quarterback. It is uh, to fire their uh, head coach. It is guaranteed. They will have a new quarterback next year. It is guaranteed. They will get Trevor Lawrence, almost certainly guaranteed. He might uh, decide to join the Peace Corps rather than the Jets, but it certainly seems like there's a very good chance that they will get Trevor Lawrence. And it really turns out that the race for Trevor Lawrence will turn out to be less competitive than actual Jet games. I mean, think about that. Think about how non-competitive those things have been. And the race for Trevor Lawrence will turn out to be that non-competitive all because the Jaguars won a game week one. Think about that. The future of two organizations are going to be decided based on the fact of what happened week one. The Jaguars have now lost 10 straight games. And unfortunately, it's an insurmountable lead for the New York Jets because the Jets are not going to, they have not won a game. They will not win a game. And uh, it's already over. It's already done. The Jets' best last chance to win a game was on Sunday. Their quarterback was back. He had all his weapons. They were playing an okay team. Not, you know, there's not some juggernaut team, some, you know, playoff guarantee, division winner, or anything like that. They're playing an okay team who was playing their backup quarterback, was without a couple of running backs, without a wide receiver, you know, lost some, some key weapons on a team that doesn't have that many key weapons. And the game was not really all that close. So the Jets' chances of winning a game are now nil. They will not win a game. And uh, the whole Trevor Lawrence thing, we've said Trevor Lawrence's name enough today. Uh, that will end up uh, turning out to be the case. And then, of course, today it's day 29 of the Regal Tumble. Today it's Maury. Tomorrow, again, there is no show. But the poll question tomorrow will allow you to get one of your favorite shows uh, back in the mix. Now, I will just simply, before we run out of time here, Ray Santiago, did you happen to take part I'm not going to ask you if you paid for it, but did you happen to watch, sit on your couch on Saturday night and watch the uh, boxing extravaganza, which was headlined, of course, with uh, Mike Tyson and Roy Jones Jr., but was really all about Jake Paul and Nate Robinson. Oh, boy, yeah, we missed missed an opportunity there. Um, I will say that I just saw a lot of of it after the fact. You saw it after the fact. I was actually watching it live. Nate Robinson wore Nick's colors and... Yeah. Offset all the good karma from the last two weeks. Yeah, it did, it did not go well for Nate. So I don't know what's next on Nate's and uh, his career. I mean, he's a very, uh, you know, athletic guy who's able to do a lot of good things. Uh, I think it's safe to say that we will not be seeing Nate Robinson back in the boxing ring uh, anytime soon because that was, whoo, that was rough. That was rough. It was almost as rough as a jet game. I might have, uh, yeah, it was almost as, jet, almost as tough. All right, that's going to do it for today. We're already out of time. We'll see you on Wednesday. Right here, 98.7 FM ESPN New York. This is the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN.